content. If you wait till the end of the show, then there'll be bonus content. I just thought I'd let you know there's gonna be bonus content. If you wait around till the end, then there'll be bonus content. You know I consider you all my personal friends, that's why I'm telling you about the bonus content. Bonus content. It's me, Daniel K. How's it going? Welcome to the Daniel K's Let's Plays podcast uh, project. Yeah, like you heard, there was a jingle, so there's going to be some bonus content at the end of this episode. Also, welcome back. Um, oh, which of those two things that I just said do I go back and address first? <laughs> um, address first. Yeah, so welcome back. There's been a hiatus. It's been a couple months since I put out an episode. Sorry about that. It just seems to happen. My life gets busy, and then I don't do the podcast because it's not a big priority, you know, compared with other stuff. Like having a massive picture put in an exhibition by me in the city, in the middle of Perth. A great big picture that I made with my own two hands and a whole bunch of computers and cameras. I put it together. Yeah, that's happening in September. I just had to do a bunch of work for that. Also, my job that I get paid to do has gotten really busy recently. Um, so that's been good, but not conductive to, uh, making podcast episodes. Also, I got a a new podcast boyfriend, Brian, uh, and that's what's going to be the bonus episode content, bonus content of this episode. Uh, me and Brian have been making this other podcast. You might not know about it if you've just been subscribed to this feed, but, oh, it's been coming out once a week, you know, it's a bit of a back catalogue of episodes. It's called Milkin' It. And I thought for the bonus content, I'd just stick a whole episode of Milk in It on the end of this episode of the Daniel K's Less Plays podcast project. So you can listen to it, and if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to Milk in It. Just search for uh, Milk in It, the flavoured milk review podcast, on your podcatcher search engine of choice. Make sure you uh, download the right one and not the three other ones, also called Milk in It, which are about pop culture by two dickheads who aren't me or Brian. Um... But yeah, so stay tuned for an episode of that and you can listen and see if you like it. What am I going to be playing in this episode? Yeah, I've already addressed the two things I wanted to address, so it's all good now. We can move on to the actual gameplay. What am I going to be playing? Um, Warlock of Fire Top Mountain. Da 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 da. Yeah. You remember last episode of the Daniel K's Let's Play podcast project? I also played Warlock of Fire Top Mountain and then I got in a scrape. I got in a, a bit of a, a bit of a, an altercation with the warlock of Firetop Mountain. I've, I've found the bastards, in the, they go, go, and I'm gonna go get him. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. What did I did? I successfully beat a dragon in the last episode. At the end of the last episode, the um, the the easy listening radio editor Dan episode. Do you remember that one? I think that was a good episode. And then at the end of it, I fought a dragon. And I was like, phew, I'm glad that fight's over. What, 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 what? The warlock is here. And now he's going to probably push my head back into my uh, sternum. And I'm going to have to start from scratch. But whatever. Let's just give it a go. I don't know how long this fight's going to last. I don't know how long this episode's going to be. Because it might just end. Because I might not be ready for the end boss of this game. Also, it's been... uh, like, 
almost three months since I played uh, the the game and I recorded it last episode. Let's just let's just start though. Here, here it goes. Here it goes. All right. So I just opened up the thing. Here we are. All right. I'm looking at a picture of a warlock. Yep. Page 358, I'm looking at a warlock. He's in some many-layered robes. He has magical energy coming from his hands. He has a goatee. He's got like a circlet around his forehead. He's got a weird sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, like a leech, swamp, snake, sucker monster around his, his, uh, his, um... Uh, his 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 uh, uh, flowing collar. It's got this like weird, you know, like a jawfish, like a like a remora, like some weird sucker swamp monster, and it's around his shoulders, sort of poking out of the the decadent folds of his costume. Uh, the battle will call upon all your reserves of strength and cunning. I read. Your adversary has disappeared and now stands at the far end. Of the room in front of the door with two locks. How will you approach him? Oh, shit. Listeners, this is fucked. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of this book which I didn't explore and I'm about to have a real bad time. Um, I grip my sword firmly and advance towards him. Look through your pack for a weapon to use. Well, what's in my pack? Let's quickly double check the items in my pack. I've got a sword, leather armor, and a crescent shield. Ten provisions and a potion of skill. 74 gold pieces. A bronze key marked 99. A piece of parchment. Earrings. Cheese. Silky black glove. A book. A bow with silver arrow. Oh, a bow with silver arrow! I could get in with the bow with the silver arrow. Lantern. Y-shaped stick. Red key 111. Dragonfire spell. Key 125. Let's look through our pack and get in with the bow with the silver arrow. I've looked through my pack. You rummage around your haversack. What is in there? You may attempt to use any of the following items. <laughs> yeah! Oh, shit! Um, there's one, two, three, four, five items I can use in this situation. I could use a potion of invis- invisibility if I had one, but I guess I dropped it. Earlier, in another episode. Yeah, like a dickhead. I could use the Eye of the Cyclops, but I got killed by the Cyclops and had to restart. I could use a piece of cheese. I could literally, I could really use a piece of cheese in this situation. I could use a bow with a silver arrow, turn to page 194, or I could use a Y-shaped stick. If I've changed my mind, blah blah blah. No, let's. I, I think I'm committed to trying the bow and silver arrow. You load the bow on fire, but despair fills you as the arrow flies through the air directly at him and stops centimeters from his chest, to only to fall to the floor. He looks up and smiles, an evil, gloating smile. What will you do? Try something else from my pack. Uh, the Y-shaped stick. You reach into your pack for the stick, only to find it splits into two pieces. It's broken during your adventure. What a dickhead you are. What a dickhead I am, Fred Wood. I broke my stick. Let's try something else. The last thing that we can try is the cheese. I guess the potion of his invisibility was what I was supposed to use. The warlock's laughter resonates in his chamber. Oh, we'll see which of us is the mouse, he cries, and he holds his hands in the air and snaps his fingers. A blue flame streams from his hands. I lose three stamina points. Ah, fuck it, let's get him with the sword. His booming voice calls out, 
You poor fool, do you think you could match my power with your puny weapon? And you continue with determination. If it's a simple brawl you want, stranger, I shall give you your last. And with these words, he vanishes and reappears behind you, and you swing around to face him, and the fight starts. This is a battle to the death, and there's no escaping. The time has come to confront the warlock. You must fight. Oh. His stamina's 18, and his skill's 11. My stamina's 19, and my skill is 12. I'm tougher than the warlock. What the fuck, game? Alright, I guess Fredwood's just a, a badass. Fight the warlock, I guess. Uh, quickly re-rolling. Snake eyes, oh no. Three and a one. Oh no! He got me, I think. He got he got a 19. I, ah, god damn it. I failed to block with my crescent shield. I got dealt uh, two damage. Let's fight. I'm re-rolling those numbers. A four and a four versus a six and a three. I got a 20 and he got a 20. We both miss. Oh, this is actually a tough fight. Okay, a 6 and a 4 from me. Um, a 22 versus a 16 in my favor. I hit the Warlock. He's down to 16 stamina and I'm on 17 stamina. This is tense. Okay, two fives for me versus his pitiful numbers. I get him again. 22 versus 17. He's down to 14. I fight, I fight, I fight, I fight. Yeah, 5 and a 5 versus a 6 and a 5. Um... 22 verse 22. Fight again. Oh, this is a tough fight. 18 verse 18. We're evenly matched. Uh, oh no, he got me. Oh no, it's 18 verse 18. I'm fighting again. Come on, Fredwood, you dickhead. 4 verse 4 verse 5 verse 3. In my favor? 20 verse 19. Yes, I got him again. He's down to 12. This is a tough fight. I mean, this is a, okay, a six and a five versus a six and a five. I beat him by one point. He's down to 10, I'm on 17. All right, well, I'm gonna win this at this stage, aren't I? Yeah, I'm just better. Five and a six versus a four and a one. I win this round. Let me just take a little sip of my delicious uh, uh, German Riesling, listeners, while I continue having this fight. Um, oh shit, he got me. Oh, well, and I failed my shield roll. I'm down to 15, but he's down to 8. Um, yeah, a 4 and a 5 versus a 5 and a 1. I win that little round, Warlock. You're down to 6? Okay. Okay. Well, all the tension has gone out of this fight. This is a long fight in my favor. I guess I just... It's down to a 4. Two more hits will kill the Warlock. A Firetop Mountain. Yeah, 6 and a 5 versus a 6 and a 3. Uh, I win that round, got him down to two, one more fight, one more hit, a four and a six versus a four and a one, I've won the fight with the Warlock. Ah! Oh, well, I'm triumphant, okay. Well, excellent, I guess I just... I guess that result was determined by how well I rolled in the very first Fredwood episode, when I rolled really well at his skill. Because I got hit twice in that fight? Great. Well, I defeat the powerful foe. Turn to page 390-something. With the Warlock now defeated, you know your quest is almost over. You approach the door to his chamber, and you open it and peer around. Turn to page 242. 
Well, that was just a fight, wasn't it? I just fought the warlock, didn't I, with my sword, and I got him in the end. I guess it's... I wonder what item would have gotten it. Was it the potion of invisibility? Or the eye of the... It was probably the eye of the thing. I bet the two items I didn't have were the ones I really needed in that fight. Because the, the, um, the Minotaur, the Eye of the Minotaur, or the Eye of the Basilisk, or whatever the hell it was, that, would have, that was a tough fight. If I got that eye, I probably could have used it in this fight, right? And then the Potion of Invisibility, I can't think what he would have done to undo that. It's a shame I dropped it on the floor, isn't it? Well, it's lucky I was just strong enough to beat him in a fight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still coming to the terms of the fact that it's only 10 minutes into the episode and I just beat the warlock in a plain old sword 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 match. Manly sword match between two people in a dungeon. The door opens to reveal a small, dimly lit room. The walls are hung with ornate curtains laced in silver and gold. A single flame burns in one corner, throwing light on a low table in the middle of the floor. On this table is a large chest. You step up to investigate the chest, and from all around, yet from nowhere, a mysterious sound fills the room. It sounds like the rambling of thunderclouds preparing to make a storm. You approach the chest and can see that it is held shut by three locks. Oh! Oh, I've got three keys, don't I? As you approach, the noise gets louder. Will you hack at the box with your sword, or will you search through your bags to see if you can find the keys to fit? I've got three keys, motherfucker! I'm gonna open the goddamn box! I'm gonna at least pass this thing! During your adventure, you will have come across various keys and should have collected some of them. Three of them must be the correct combination to open the chest. Peering at the chest more closely, you notice that the number 321 is inscribed faintly across the top. Have you come across the key in your adventure? If so, you may try three of them with the chest. Hang on. Wait, wait. Let me quickly, quickly scroll that down. 321 is inscribed faintly across... 321. Is this a maths puzzle? Do I have to get the number of... Do my keys have to add up to 321? Let's have a look at my keys. Okay, I've got three keys. 111, 125, and 99. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Doesn't it? No. No. Hang on, let me do quickly maths. You smart people already know if this adds up to 321. So 111 plus 125 plus 99. 9 plus 5 is 14, plus 1 is 15. Carry the 1, 5. 9 plus 2 is 11, plus 1 is 12, plus 1 is 13. So a 3 and carry the 1. So I've now got 300... And, hang on, that can't be right. So, so, 335. And what number did I want to get? 321. Shit, man. Let's give it a go. You make your selection and slide a key into each lock. Two of your chosen keys seem to fit. One of your chosen keys clicks snugly into place. One of your chosen keys clicks snugly into place. Okay, this screen is really broken, but I've got three options to click. Okay. What happens next? One of the keys turns, but the other two will not fit. As you struggle to try to make them turn, you hear two small clicks and then pings, and two miniature darts shoot from the chest at you. Oh, I want to go back. Uh, you leap backward to try to avoid them, 
and crack your head on the wall behind you and slump on the floor unconscious of Fredwood. You awake with a sore head and lose two stamina. If you're still alive, you may try three keys afresh. Oh. Choose the first key you'd like to try in the chest. Hang on. Um. Well, what order did I do them in just then? Okay, I'm going to try 99, then 125, and then 111. Two of the keys fit the locks perfectly, and the other does not. You leap to one side as a jet of clear liquid spurts from the chest, and it just misses you, but you lose two stamina points as the liquid emits an acidic vapor, which makes you cough and choke. If you're still alive, I can try three keys afresh. Buddy, these are my three keys. I don't know what you're expecting from me. Okay, 125 plus 99 plus 111 will maybe... No! Two of the keys. I lose two of... I'm just locked. There's no other... There's no other option. I'm sure I'm in a key loop. What do I... One of the keys turns, but the other two will not fit. I bump my head to stamina. I just don't have enough keys to win? I'm just gonna keep on opening it until the goddamn thing is fucked? Well, what do I do? I'm losing... St hang on. What is this stuff? I've only got five stamina left. Can I take... I'm gonna eat some provisions. I'm up to nine. What do I do? I just don't have the keys. I'm eating all my provisions. I'm back up to... Hang on. Let me try it. 11.99 and then 1.25. There's nothing that's... Okay. I've just lost. Fredwood, get out of the fucking dungeon, you dickhead. There's no option to, though. There's no option to go back. Well, this is unsatisfying. I'm just gonna die trying to open this box again and again. <sighs> okay. Alright, well, let's just... Well, it's a shame I just ate all those goddamn provisions because I'm just going to make Fredwood die and that's going to be the end of the episode. I'm losing two stamina. I'm sticking keys in the box. I lose two stamina. I stick the keys in the box one more time. Oh. Alright. Well, this has been deeply unsatisfying. Oh, I lose two stamina. What am I on? Seven stamina. So I think that's what I was on. Was I on five stamina before I took my rations? It's a shame it doesn't give me an option to go back, but there's, I'm literally locked in. I'm, I'm just locked into this course of action. Opening the box. Fredwood opening the box again and again like a madman until he dies of opening a box. Why did you do this? Why did you do this, Warlock of Fire Top Mountain? Hey, fighting fantasy game. Why why did you do this in your book, in your game app? Why didn't you... Okay, this is the last time. This two stamina will put me to death. If the acidic vapor costs the last of your stamina, you've come so far and yet your quest to discover the warlock's treasure has come to an untimely end. You must remember not to use that combination of keys next time. The end. The end. The end, listeners. The end. So I beat the final boss, and then I get to the chest that he keeps in a little room, and having beat the final boss, 
I start sticking keys in the chest again and again and again until I die. And that's the end of the game. That's the satisfying conclusion of Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Am I gonna do that again? Am I gonna, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna start from the start and play the game again? No, I killed the, I killed the guy. Fredwood killed the guy and then he died in the dungeon, but the whole world is saved from the Warlock. The town nearby, the villagers who I met in the very first episode. Remember that weird episode, the very first one of Warlock of Firetop Mountain? Go back and listen. All those people who were like, oh, go on your way, adventurer, I hope you kill the Warlock. Guess what? Good folk, I killed the Warlock. It was a happy ending. And then I died trying to open a box. Why did that Man. Man. Uh-uh. Alright, hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah. It's me again, Daniel K. So I've just been blubbering, blubbering on about how unfair this game is, and oh, the bad old box defeated me in the end. Well, guess what, listeners? Guess how much I love you. I love you dearly and passionately, and I just played through the game again. Uh, except now, I've got some different keys. I've got the Iron Golem's Eye. Uh, I've got my Potion of Invisibility. I didn't throw it on the ground this time. Also, I'm playing on easy mode. So if I ever face a, a defeat, um, well, then I can just access my menu and then unlock the, the other options which would normally be barred to me. So let's just... I'm playing on guard mode, pretty much. Let's just, uh, I'm right at the the very end of the maze, which I could, there's no way guard mode can help me there. I just had to do the, the, the fucking maze again. And I've lost my piece of paper with my map on, so I had to look at my thumbnail for the last episode, which incorporates the map. But it's such a shitty picture, because I made it all fancy, black and white, uh, an inverted image. I'm, like, squinting, and the map doesn't make sense. I'm like, what the hell? I ended up having to listen to the episode again and retrace a bunch of my decisions. Anyway, blah blah, let's uh, shoot the spell at the dragon. Passageway ahead turns northwards for some time. Continue along the passageway. Oh, loading screen. Oh, shit, a dragon. Gonna fight the dragon. How will you attack the creature? Search your memory for another means. That's what I'm gonna do. Does the name Fario Di Maggio mean anything to do? If it does, turn to page 26. Um, you remember the and you do the spell and the you go squealing in agony, the dragon runs away. When I'm ready, turn to 274. Alright. Uh, when you leave the cavern, follow along, blah blah blah, you've already... Ho- uh, 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 yeah, here we are. Okay, this is actually something I wasn't anticipating, so I could make a slightly different decision here. You leave the cavern and follow a long narrow corridor. After several hundred meters, it ends at a large wooden door which is slightly ajar. Carefully, you ease it open a little further and poke your head around the side to see what is in the room. You see a small old man sitting at a table on his own playing with a deck of cards. He looks quite a harmless old soul, grey-haired, bearded, he's seated. So this happened at the very end of not of, of last last episode, which I which was for me three months ago. So I don't remember what decision I made. Did I a burst through the door, sword drawn, to surprise the old man? B knock on the door and enter, greeting the old man courteously. C get down on all fours and try to creep into the room unnoticed. 
I probably would have courteously uh, knocked and entered. Let's try creeping like a low-down rat on page, page 98. As you crawl into the room, a voice booms out. Welcome, adventurer. I've been expecting you. You stop, look around, and raise to your feet, and the little old man's changed. He's not old and grey anymore. He's of an imp imposing height. Uh, his eyes are deep and black, and they're fixed on you relentlessly. Turn to page 358. The battle will call upon all your... The beginning of the episode again. Uh, so, he... Goes... F wait, wait, wait. Your adversary has disappeared and now stands at the far end of the room in front of a door with two locks. How will you approach him? Uh, let's look through our pack for weapons to use. So last time we used the cheese on him. Um, we used the bow and silver arrow. Okay, so now I've got a couple things which I didn't have before. I picked up a Y-shaped stick on this particular playthrough. I also have the Eye of the Cyclops and my Potion of Invisibility. So let's obviously try the Y-shaped stick first. You reach into your pack for your stick, only to find that it's split into two pieces. It broke during your adventure. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I totally had a Y-shaped stick before. Yeah, sorry, I'm crazy. Yeah, that, that totally happened. Okay. Yeah, so let's use the invisibility potion first. Because I actually know for a fact that the eye of the Cyclops should be strong against this guy. Because in this little playthrough, which you weren't here for... I encountered a portrait of the sorcerer on the wall, and it used it did a spell on me. But when I used the eye of the Cyclops on the portrait, it shut its eyes and was like, "Oh no!" And I was like, "Ha ha! Fuck you!" And I got two skill points for figuring that out. And then the game book said, "You uh, advance on, securing the knowledge that you just won your first real battle." And that was like half the way through the book, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, so I'm going to use the invisibility potion because I'm pretty sure the eye of the Cyclops will do something. So let's use the invisibility potion first and see what happens. Your opponent is surprised. Hey, as you disappear in front of him. But he raises his hands as if to cover his eyes and he scans the room with an intense glare. He can sense your presence but cannot make out exactly where you are. You draw your sword in advance and he tilts his head and sniffs the air. You'll have to fight him from a distance. If he gets his hands on you, your invisibility will be no advantage. But, while you remain invisible, you have the following advantages. You'll deal 3 damage when you hit the warlock, while your foe will only manage a glancing blow of 1 damage when he hits you. Great. Well, I guess I'm going to fight him like this. Now, I'm going to rewind. Go back one step. Which I'm allowed to do on easy mode. And this time I'm going to use the Eye of the Cyclops. You hold up the eye in front of him and the jewel gives off a dull glow. You point it towards him and he shrieks. He backs away into a corner and a beam of light shoots from the jewel. As it falls on him, he sinks to the floor and a remarkable transformation takes place. He starts to shrivel and grow visibly older in front of you. His skin wrinkles and cracks and he slowly becomes an amorphous heap in the corner. After some moments, the jewel stops glowing and you approach the lifeless bundle of cloth. His robes are all that remain. Wowee, that was easy. Cool. Turn to page 396. With the warlock now defeated, you know your quest is almost over. You approach the real foe, the box with keyholes, 
which if you don't if you don't have the right key well you're just going to keep on falling over again and again until you've fallen over 10 times banging your head on the wall to death turn to page 242 okay so what's the trick here um I could try hacking at the box with my sword that's tempting no let's use the keys um, so peering at the thing the number is 321 so I have to do now have you come across any keys in your adventure if so you may try three with the chest I'm interested I actually I don't have three keys I think I've only got two um, so if if I don't possess at least three numbered keys there's an option here I wonder if this will lead to a bad ending. Let's try it out. You do not possess the three keys you require. This is the end of your journey. You sit on the chest and weep as you realize you'll have to explore the mountain once more in order to find the keys. The end. Fred, what are you, idiot? All right, let's step back. Rewind. Step back. And now let's unlock the free choice option. Yes, I have to click yes. Um to pretend that I have three keys and now I'm gonna click the free choice option again in my menu to unlock all these key all these keys okay so we have to get to 321 so I can get to 222 with key of two of these 111 keys and then I can get to and then I have yeah and then a bronze key with 99 so 111 99 and then 111 you make your selection and slide a key into each lock the final key clicks into place one by one all the keys click and turn in the locks you've placed them all correctly as the last key turns, the lid of the chest comes free and you open it. Turn to page 400. 400 listeners. <gasps> oh, we see a shining image of a, of a bunch of treasure and stuff all in a chest. The chest has like crocodile skin. Wow. Uh, your quest is over. The warlock of Firetop Mountain is no more and you're now the owner of the sorcerer's riches. At least a thousand gold pieces, jewellery, diamonds, rubies and pearls are in the chest. Hidden under these you find the Warlock spell book. And as you leaf through the pages you realise that this tome is probably more valuable than all of the treasure. Instructions are given for the control of all the secrets and the creatures of Firetop Mountain with this book. With this book, unlimited power is yours and the safety of your return to the village is ensured. Okay, so that's a good reason why not getting the... the chest open is a failure situation I wish it could have explained that you you return you know you try to return to your village but an ogre bashes your skull in on the way is what it says you, you wish you had found some kind of you know thing in the warlocks treasury to stop ogres but you didn't the end and so now my safety is ensured um, or if you would prefer, you could remain as a master of the domain of Firetop Mountain. The end. Cool. 
Dun, dun, dun. Great. Well, great. I'm glad I didn't record several more episodes just to get to this point and have that be the ending. Because it was like, cool. Cool. Great. Alright. Yeah, sure. So time for the bonus content, huh? Oh, boy. It feels good to have finished the series, doesn't it? And for the, this is like the first episode of the, the uh, after the hiatus. Oh, I got some episodes coming up for you. Oh, yeah, I do. I've got a couple of them recorded now. Um, I've been doing this, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been doing some, some recording. So there's a couple episodes in the bank. Hopefully there shouldn't be a big, a big space after this episode. Hopefully should, there should be another episode after this episode. And I'm not even talking about the episode that I'm just going to play right now for you. The episode of the Milk and It podcast. Uh, with my, with the, with the Brian, uh, Brian, uh, my, my co-host. We review flavoured milks. You should listen to it. And then, now, you'll listen and you'll know if it's, uh, something that you want to continue listening to. That's why I'm putting it here. Yeah. So, here you go. Without further ado, over to Dan and Brian on the Milk in It podcast. Just subscribe to them. Please. Oh, please, 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 please. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Who us in, Brian? Oh no, wait, I wasn't ready. Hang on. What? Oh, hi, Brian. <laughs> hi, Daniel. How's how, it going? How are you? I'm good. It's going well. I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking... going well too. Hi, hi, listeners. Brian, am I the only person who ever talks to the listeners? Do you ever say hi, listeners? I try not to talk to the listeners. Yeah. Is it? It's a weird dynamic. It's like they're my imaginary friends and we're just in a normal conversation. Well, as far as I know, we don't have any listeners. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be like that, Brian. Oh, no. At this point in the podcast, surely we've acquired some listeners. We're on a quest to comprehensively review all the different flavors of... <laughs> Yeah, this is episode eight. We will have grown exponentially, and Ex- we'll have yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll have eight. We will have caught on like coronavirus and spread rapidly throughout the population, bringing people joy and the sounds of milk drinking. Um, but I'm sitting yeah. here looking out the window, and I'm seeing the morning sun shining on the trunk of this nice uh, evergreen tree and i'm feeling Mm. like wow it's a beautiful day and i'm about to drink some milk what could be better nothing at all brian what happened last episode last episode we drank milk (laughs) as always um i drank a dairy gold strawberry that was not that good and you drank a brown's shake and shake vanilla that you quite enjoyed 
Um, yeah, a, a Browns Dairy Chill Vanilla Shake and Shake. Shake and Shake to Thicken is what I yes. drunk. But neither of them made a significant uh, splash on the leaderboard. On the scorecard, no. So the Bingaray Banana remains our number one milk overall. Um, yep. And also our milkiest milk. And... Yep. Are nope, that's it. It's just the milkiest milk. Um, Sweet. So then we also Brian, scored. I'm reminded oh. your, your mention of banana milk. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm reminded that you sent me a very offensive pho- photograph of a a very green banana, which you that was you weeks ago, said, Daniel. I know, but the impact is such that I still remember it now. It was weeks I need to find ago. A, if you I need remember. to find a really good banana, and I'll send you a good banana photo. Listeners, send Brian some banana photos oh. of the banana that you believe is the perfect uh, ripeness of banana. If you remember, two weeks ago, I think it was, possibly Maybe three, three. Uh, we were discussing the banana, and I said that I like my banana a certain way, and I went downstairs yep. after that, and I found that banana, and then I took a picture of it, and then... Then I oh, my ate robot it. cat is back. Oh. Keep on going. The robot cat is back. Um I I ate the banana and then after eating the banana and confirming, then I sent you the picture saying this banana is basically perfect. Mm. So I it did It was not, very upsetting. I waited until I ate it though to make sure that it was right. Yeah. I did not I respect that. I did not just judge it solely by the outside. On a, you're saying on a blind banana tasting you would have picked that banana. Well, yeah, I mean, I did, right? I looked at or you mean if I had if someone had fed me bananas while I was blind. Yeah, if someone had blindfolded you and fed you a banana, a sequence of increasingly ripe or unripe bananas. For a second, the ripeness like... would have to be randomized for this test to be Legitimate. For a then second, you would I was pick that as the perfect banana. I was like, all banana tastings are blind, right? You don't know what it's going to taste like before you eat it. You're guessing based on. <laughs> <laughs> you're guessing based that's, on that's the a outside. Fair point. You can't see the inside of the banana. Yeah. You look at the bunch. You guess which one is going to be the best, and you take it and you give it a shot. Mm. I kind of want to get you to try that now. If you got someone who's willing to blindfold you and feed you a series of bananas. <laughs> Probably, Someone yeah. who is not going to just butter you up and go like, yeah, these are all some relatively unripe bananas. They're going to get like a good variety of ripe, unripe, overly ripe. Yeah, I, I, think, I, could, I think I could find some people who'd be willing to do that. Awesome. That's good to hear. It's, yeah. I, don't say, I don't think you should do it. It's just nice to know that you have people in your life who are willing to do that for you. Yeah. That's, that's all we need to yeah. know. Mm. All right. Um, what, what were we talking about? We were talking about previously on um, oh. and who's leading our scoreboard. Um, so we've got, yeah, um, we got the Bingaray banana is the leader and it's the milkiest. The tastiest milk is the Starbucks cafe latte iced espresso. The most creative milk remains the wagon wheels. wagon wheels, of course. Our yeah. most valuable milk is the Brown's Mocha Chill, allegedly. <laughs> or yep. 
the Dairy Gold Strawberry, which scored quite well. Ah, uh, the second most valuable one. Yeah. Our gestaltiest milk is the Dunkin' Donuts French Vanilla, which went down very easy. Well, it's possible that the cafe latte iced espresso should have been higher on Gestalt. Who knows? But we are scientists. Wait, what was the Gestalt of the of the of the French vanilla? It was eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Ah, my uh, super shake. I it fell short by two points. Oh, so it tied with the banana milk. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I can't be mad at myself because the numbers don't lie ever. Never. Uh, <laughs> never once have they ever lied. But it's a shame that they weren't telling more of the truth uh, <laughs> when I wrote down those numbers. And the zeitgeistiest yeah. milk so far is the Brown's Mocha Chill. So, oh, those are the categories. Yep. And uh, today, this week on Milk and It, we will add two more milks to the two scoreboard. Two more milks. Two more milks. Two so more the American milks. people are chanting. Two more milks. Two more milks. Two more milks. Two more milks. Yep. Yes, Daniel, I'm going to ask that you spin hmm? the milk wheel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spin the milk wheel. The milk wheel keeps on spinning, Brian. The there rotary. it is. Ready? Here it goes. <laughs> Slowing down. There you have it. What's it on, Brian? I'll tell you what it's on. Tell me what it's on, Brian. I'll tell you what it's on, Daniel. Please do, Brian C. Oh, shit. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, wow. What's happening? Are you okay over there on your side of the island? Yes. Yes. I have landed You don't need me to come around? I don't. No, it's fine. You can stay on your side. I okay. have landed on Snickers chocolate milk. Ah, cool. What have what? I landed on? Is and it the you. Chiquito? Imagine if it was Chiquito. That's another chocolate bar, by the way. Oh, that would be fun. You did not get the Chiquito. You oh. have landed on the Browns Shake and Shake Honeycomb. Oh, what? Holy fuck. Two, like... Okay, cool. It's random. Yeah, I guess that it's was random, last Daniel. week. So. It happens. That was last week. Don't complain. I wonder if some of the... No, I, I definitely... This is an exciting one to... This is our first honeycomb, which is a standard Australian flavor of milk. So the one thing I'm not actually sure of is whether or not my milk is meant to taste like a Snickers bar or if it's just Snickers branded chocolate milk. That thing better taste like a Snickers bar. You better be getting peanut in that milk. If there's no peanut flavor in your milk, then that's that's outrageous. I'm outraged already just thinking about the possibility that there wouldn't be any. Do you hear that, Daniel K? Yeah, I hear a weird rattling. What's that? That's the sound of a Snickers bar. Oh, you you've got one on you. I've got actually two on me. Well, it's one package oh that contains two. A double Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> you ever, you've seen Magic. You listen to Magic Tavern? No. No. Okay. Not not to worry then. Yeah, you got a double Snickers happening. All right. I will assume that's a funny joke. 
It's that there's a character who has two buttholes, one on top of the other. And when he says when he poos, it's like a double Snickers. Aha. Uh-huh. That is good. He's a, he's a badger. His name's Chunt. Daniel, I... Yeah, Brian. And I want you to listen up. I'm listening up. Always so, to you, Brian. So I'm 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 jumping ahead. Oh, in, this is the segment. Yes, I'm okay. jump I'm jumping ahead in the book, but it's because I've just now in my brain made a connection between something I read and something we just done. So here you go. <laughs> yep. Okay. <clears throat> oh, so um, sure, sure, sure. I'm going to I'm going to skip some stuff. Um so I'm just going to cut out. I'm going to mentally edit out a bit um that uh-huh. would be confusing without context. At the 1939 New York World's Fair, the Walker Gordon Oh Daniel, also you should be probably shaking during this time. Oh shit, yeah, I forgot. At the 1939 New York World's Fair, the Walker Gordon Certified Milk Dairy, a New Jersey certified milk company, displayed a new milker called the Rotolactor, quickly dubbed <laughs> the Cow Merry-Go-Round. The milking parlor was a revolving disc with 50 stalls around it. Cows lined up and were led one by one into a stall. A milker washed her udder with a clean cloth and attached four uh-huh. cups to her teats. The milking machine was turned on and the cow rode around the disc for 10 minutes until her stall arrived back at its starting point where the cow's cups were detached and she was led off. In this manner, the merry-go-round milked 300 cows every hour. At the World's Fair, the new invention was proclaimed to be the milking machine of the future. Walker Gordons had wanted to demonstrate the high standards of cleanliness used in the production of certified milk. They did not care about manufacturing their display machine or promoting it as the milking of the future. Yet today, one of the most expensive and sought-after high-tech milking machines is the Rotary Milking Parlor, built on very much the same idea as the Rotolactor. The Rotolactor. Great. That was a roller coaster. No, it was a merry-go-round. Ah, you're right. Yeah, just the description of the cow being put into the device was like uncomfortable. Yeah, like uh, ugh, like this is like a horror thing. Well, you should hear about. That's not even nearly the worst thing that has happened to a cow in this book. Um, that book being Milk, a ten thousand year food fracas. By an author whose Great. name I guess I'll say the author's name since I haven't done that yet, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, go on. Mark Mark, it's Mark. It's by Mark. By Mark. Thanks, Mark. Good one. Shame about the cows. I don't want to hear about it. There's something anything sad happens to a cow, I don't want to hear about it. There's something on the book cover that re- prevents me from seeing his full name. Mark Kurlansky. Anyway, uh, milk, great book. Milk, milk. All right. Well, I've shaken my milk. You're fully shook. Um, what do we do? Yeah, I'm fully. I'm. I've, I've completely shaken this. This shake and shake milk. 
What happens now? I'm lost, Brian. What do we do? Now I shake my milk. That sounds good. I like it. And now we open our milks and we start to drink. And then once we've each had a sip or two, we fire up the chat timer. Thank you for taking my hand through this. I was I was really lost, temporarily lost. Like a cow. Oh shit! That's, that's what been I forgot to mention last week. Spun around in a rotolactor. Yeah. No was, idea was, where it is anymore. I was lost. Me and the two hundred ninety nine other cows, completely Ooh. confused, strapped into a milking machine, gently spun, so that one lazy farmhand doesn't have to walk around putting the machines on my udders. He can sit on a stool and have me. Have me spin around to him. Yes. Yes. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention last week was that the smell of the vanilla shake and shake was the first, like, just plain pleasing smell that I've smelt on this podcast. It was, I think, probably listeners keeping keeping score will have noticed that each time I, I open the milk, I have a little smell of the milk, and then each time I go like, ugh, or like, ugh. Ooh. And the vanilla was the first time I was like, oh. So let's see what happens when I have a little smell of this honeycomb milk. Daniel. Oh, yeah. How's the smell? Smells all right. Mine also, has a, good. N- mine also has a nice smell. If oh, you, boy. If you had to guess... Would you say that a Snickers chocolate milk would have more or less sugar than a Dairy Gold <laughs> strawberry milk? I would. I have, would be insane to 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 presume that I would guess that it had less sugar. How much does it have? More or less, Brian? It has quite a bit less. Hmm. Yeah. Just thirty-nine G's. What am I looking at? I must be looking at the same G's. 53. That's higher, right? Yeah. Oh, boy. That's way higher. 53 grams of sugar uh, in this serve, in this this carton. How much is added sugar? Versus the vanilla one. Wait, what? I don't know. How many? It doesn't tell you how many Gs are added. What it says is carbohydrates, 65.5 grams per serve, and then as a subsection, sugars, 53.0 grams per serve, and as a percentage of the liquid itself, 10.6% of this liquid is sugar. Hmm. That's all the information I got. Oh, way more protein in this than in the vanilla one, but also way more sugar. So mine is... fat, less fat in the honeycomb. Interesting. Mine is 43 Gs of total carbohydrates. Two G's of that are dietary fiber. The other 39... Hang on, that doesn't add up to 43. Anyway, so there's a loose... There's an unaccounted for two G's. And then 39 of the G's are total sugars. And 19 of those 39 G's are added sugars. Wow, what a weird... That that seems like an arbitrary thing to be well, saying. Because like milk, who, who milk, cares? Milk has lactose in it, which is a sugar. Um, mm. So it's a little bit naturally sweet, but they've added more. Like I've, 
I'm referencing back to the Gold strawberry I drank, and that had 39 Gs of added sugars. So they just like poured sugar straight in there. Oh, that Maybe had 39 grams of added sugar. Maybe they were trying to pour in like a little bit, and they accidentally dropped the whole bin, and then they said, well, it's too late yeah, now. Stick it on the label. This? this is science. We can't go back. Yep. All right. Uh, shall I get the chat timer out? Yes, get please. The chat timer draw. All right. Here it goes. I'm spinning the old chat timer around, setting it to five old minutes. And we're gonna gonna have a good old chat, Brian. You and me. You ready to have a good old chat? Mm-hmm. 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 Is Cincinnati a city in New York? No. State? No. Okay. Try Why again. Cincinnati? Hmm? I'm what? eating a Snickers. Um, oh, okay. I'm eating oh. a Snickers. I wish I was eating a Snickers. It sounds good. Cincinnati is in Ohio. Um, ah. It's also sort of in Kentucky. Okay. I wonder what I'm thinking of. I know about a cow. There's a, there's a cow called Cincy Freedom. Uh, who escaped from an abattoir uh, in Cincinnati. Hmm. Yeah, and, like, ran through some local suburbs uh, and, like, hid, you know, in, like, local parks and stuff. Uh, and it, it turned into, like, a big news story. It was broadcast. Okay. Like, oh, shit, a cow's gotten out. It's running around all over the place. Like when the llamas went um, on the loose. Uh, was the llamas on the loose? Do you remember the llamas? No, I don't remember the llamas. What do you mean, do I remember the llamas like we live in the same place? Daniel, do you remember the dress? The dress? The dress. The dress. Oh, that was either blue or gold or black or silver or something? Yes. Black and blue. I love that dress. Black and blue or gold and silver or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. But it was legitimately, that was a really cool thing for people to be confused by. So the same day as the dress... Uh, a black llama and a white llama um, escaped from somewhere in like Arizona and they just went yeah. running through the town. And so while we were having the dress drama on one side, we were also watching live news feeds on the other side of these llamas just cavorting through suburbs and oh. across yards and down streets and... Um, Llamas that sounds are, good. Llamas so it's like anarchy on that day. Yeah, uh, we. Yeah, I was at work that day. I remember, and we got absolutely no work done that day. Yeah, everyone was just shouting at each other about what color the dress was. Other people were watching the llamas and cheering them on. That was a yeah. that was a memorable day. Memorable day. One of the most relatively memorable. recent. Relatively recently, some baboons got loose. I think in Sydney. Although at the time this episode airs, it'll be several weeks later. I think it was Sydney. It might have been either Melbourne or Sydney. One of those big wanker suburbs. I mean, I mean, state, states, cities, cities. <laughs> One of the big cities. Baboons loose. And I've seen like people, like the baboons just running down the street and people going, oh, fuck, baboons. And like, yeah, I'd be yeah. like, no thanks too, because that would be terrifying. That seems scary. I've um, I've been to India yeah. where there are quite a lot of wild monkeys all over the place, and they are very threatening. And 
Yeah. You don't want to get near them. Like hotels I stayed in had like bars on the windows and things that were to keep the monkeys out. Yeah. Have you ever, did you ever listen to the last podcast on the left? I did not. Uh, It's a really good podcast. They're interested in, they were kind of like true crime adjacent, but they were also interested in conspiracy theories and just like weird alien sightings and whatever. Um, and I used to really enjoy them, but one day they had a, a an episode where they just played American nine one one calls, and I after that I had to stop listening because it was just too upsetting. And one of the calls was from the famous uh, Hollywood ape attack, uh, the the woman who had her her face transplant on mm. Oprah, mm-hmm. uh, and it was so distressing and so every time every that was years and years and years ago that i listened to that episode of the podcast and every time i see a chimp i'm like oh get it away or go go away (laughs) get Mm. it away from the people just just run away run away from the chimp right now yeah (laughs) no um so my point is cincinnati freedom the cow um it became such a good news story for everyone that when the abattoir workers finally caught the cow there was like uproar amongst the community and Cincinnati Freedom ended up being uh, like donated to a local like friendly happy farm and and allowed to live. She demanded political asylum. <laughs> yeah, well, she just kind of roamed around being a cow and then well, all so, the empathetic people who saw them who who saw her on the news was like, "Hey, we deserve this animal get special treatment because we love it." Yeah, but the abattoir then probably had like how many other cows that they still carried on killing, right? Like yeah, I don't know about that. Yes, but yeah, cows. It's, it's true. It's it's an it's an interesting story of uh, weird morality. That mm-hmm. when we see a cow and we like it, we're like, this one's okay. And that's then how we, we look at the the other direction while the other cows go into the machine. That's how my sister became ah, a vegetarian. Perfect timing. Anyway, well, that chat's over. All right. <sighs> Have you been drinking your milk? While chatting, Daniel? I've been doing my best to. Okay, good. Me too. I've had a couple bites of Snickers, although it takes quite a long time to chew through a bite of Snickers. Yeah. It's got some structural integrity, a Snickers. It's like pycrete or pycrite. Um, you know, you get paper pulp, like uh, paper shredded in water, and then you freeze it, and it has like this super-duper strong um, tensile strength. Uh, that's what your Snickers is. It's like particles of nut uh, seized together in a in a caramel bar. Yeah, and that's it is, what a Snickers is, right? And it is um, relatively cold because it's been you know sitting out oh, on the counter oh, overnight. Um, okay, Mars bars are a different thing in Australia to what they are in America. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. Yeah, so a Mars bar here is like... Well, we don't uh, have Mars bars here anymore. Hey, wait, I didn't hear you. Say that again. We don't have Mars bars here anymore. What, really? Mars bars are like the bar here. There's If you if you were to say, hey, name a bar, everyone would say a Mars bar. Everyone would say a Snickers, probably. They're in America. That's fair enough. I think Snickers are superior. But Mars bars... Recently, my lovely wife was like, hey, have you ever had a frozen Mars bar? And I'm like, no, that sounds horrible. And she's like, well, give it a try before you before you go around saying it's horrible. So we froze the, the Mars bar, 
It's got uh, caramel. It's got nougat. It has a chocolate outer coating. Does it and have peanuts? We, well, I didn't hear you, but yes, Brian. Peanuts. <laughs> no, no peanuts in a Mars bar. It's Imagine a Snickers with no peanuts. A Milky Way, kind of. Exactly. That's what I believe the... I think a Milky Way is is a Mars bar here. And then Milky Ways here in Australia are like trash. You wouldn't feed it to a pig you hated. Um, yeah, no, Milky Ways are nothing here. They're, they're just just garbage. Dude, but maybe a, of... a really dumb child would enjoy a Milky Way. <laughs> Do you hate a lot but of pigs, Daniel? I've... Yeah, yeah. Um, the... But the frozen Mars bar, I really recommend giving it a try with oh, yeah? your Milky Way over there in America. Okay. Because it turns into the the uh, caramel and the uh, nougat filling. They kind of turn this into the same solid, almost like glassy, fragile, crunchy uh, internal consistency. And it's almost like you bite it, and it shatters into these little crystals in a really pleasing way. It's not that dramatic, but that's the that's the effect that I wasn't expecting in a frozen Mars bar. And it was that's how I enjoy my Mars bars now more than any other way. All right, more than any other way. I'll I'll put a Milky Way in the freezer for you. Thank you, Brian. Um, and then report back yeah. next week. And Snickers, so Snickers, I probably wouldn't freeze it because I think it would get hard to eat. Um, mm. But Snickers and Twix do make special, like ice cream bar versions of themselves that you oh, I've had them. would keep in a freezer. Yeah, and they're pretty. They're very good. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, they but, just use like ice cream instead of the nougat. But Daniel, we're sort right. of cheating here by continuing to chat. Ah oh, shit! And we need to be scoring right. our milks. What a pair of charlatans we are! Mm-hmm. So, are you ready to score your milk? Yeah, I'm ready to score my milk. All right, let's begin the scoring. Hmm.
All right. Well, how are you going over there, Brian? Uh, <laughs> I'm going all right. Have you just been making like weird pen noises and not actually writing down numbers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking. Cool. It's... This is a hard one. It'd be interesting to try and this segment, Brian. It'd be interesting to try and split the audio channel so that people, Who, maybe just for this one specific segment, get like left your right. audio purely in the left and mine or, or mine purely in the right, or that it's like it's panned to some degree. Maybe it's like seventy thirty or eighty twenty, left and right. I think I can do that. I genuinely yeah. am not if sure, not, but I think shoot it's, me over the. I think it's technically possible. Yeah, I can do it for you if you if you can't do it. I've done it before. Okay. Having one final sip. Oh boy. What kind of noises oh, were man, you making? Oh man, that's weird. Um, well I have this toy dinosaur uh, the legs are fixed together with little yellow plastic screws. It comes with a, a toy screwdriver. It's for a child to unscrew screws with a toy screwdriver. I was using a knife to unscrew it and take it apart. Um, I was thinking because, hey, uh, ha- like half of my numbers are already decided because this is like the same thing as last week. So I can just look at what I scored. That milk for milkiness and value and all that stuff. And then I... I have just realized I took a sip. This is way milkier. So there goes that idea. Uh, <laughs> now I have to sit down and think. But I can do that while you're talking to me. It's all good. I've just realized that uh, this milk is maybe um, going to score very highly across the oh. board. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, you asshole, Brian. You total asshole with your good milk. I don't believe it. Another good one. Another good one for you. Uh, it's genuinely aggravating. <laughs> Here, I'll, uh... I want you to be drinking really bad milk. I want you to have a real bad time over there. I'll adjust the scores slightly. Uh. Well, I, I am having a bit of a... As we talk about it, I'll explain some of the dilemma. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm I'm totally filled out and ready to go. All right. Well, let's get started. Hit hit me with your milkiness. Hit me! Hit me! Hit me! Was that a song over there? Hit me with your rhythm stick. Uh, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, is that an Australian song? Every song is everywhere, that... right? But Ian Jury and the Blockheads? Was that Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick? Yes. Hit me with your rhythm stick. Hit me, hit me, hit me. That might be something that didn't make it out of Australia. Uh, it might even have been from the UK, Ian Jury. Uh. <laughs> he had a song called... Uh, I, don't know. I won't even say the title. All right. Um, All right. Um. Okay, my milkiness. Like I said, this is a milkier uh, proposition for some reason. You know what it might be? I found it a little bit harder to drink. 
Mm-hmm. I'd say, like, down down the line, you're going to hear that maybe the drinkability, the gestalt, is not as high as the vanilla one. And so I left it for longer. And maybe some of the bubbles popped, and what I'm left with is a, a much thicker, more syrupy kind of milkiness. So it, it's it's bumped right up the milkiness scale to actually quite a heavy number. Um, I'm oh, going to yeah. give it a 69... Could even be higher, but I'm going to leave it at sixty-nine. Yeah, are you telling me it's it's milky? It's it's thick. It's milky. It's definitely milky. It's way milkier than the vanilla one. What's a milk got to do to get rated as milky around here? (laughs) Well, it's got to be pretty milky. Well, has to be averagely milky. We're learning. I guess I should rate it higher. Hang on, let me have another sip. Mm. No, no, 69 is a good number for that. It's not it still has a lot of that frothiness which is adding to the thickness, but it's just more milky than the last the, than my last experience. All right, what's your milkiness like, Brian? How milky is your Snickers milk? Um, it's pretty milky. It's it's a thicker milk than most of the milks I've had so far. Um, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, but yeah, it's, a it's just sort of a, a normal, good milkiness. And, um, because it's a strong chocolate flavor, there's not quite like the sort of creamy milky taste isn't quite there. So it's an 81 mm-hmm. on the milkiness for me. Yep. But, uh, it feels good. It feels, it's a good milkiness. Good. It's, it's occur- it occurs to me, Brian. Yes. These uh, podcast episodes that we're keeping to twenty minutes. Um, I think we might have a better chance of it going quickly if we go back to the old way of like me just like rattling off a little lecture about my milk and then doing you doing a lecture about your milk because then we can like we can slide from one number to the next to the next to the next in a much quicker way I think than if we're passing it back and forth but we can try that again next time and see if I'm right or we could just do it right now and see what happens oh yeah let's fucking do it Why yeah not? let's be reflexive let's, yeah we, we're like a muscle a taut muscle ready to spring we're in, this like is a bear trap this we're a pair <laughs> of bear traps yes we're a pair yes. of, we're a pair of bear traps I was a gonna pair say pair of bear traps. I was gonna say we're agile. A pair of cow traps. A pair of cow traps. Mmm, cow trap, cull traps. No, cull traps. No, we don't want to be cow traps. We want to be bear traps. Yeah. Ready to spring yeah. at the slightest pressure. Touch of a bear's paw. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the bear's paw is your idea. Um, yep. so, so, do you want to lecture me on your milk? Uh, no, you do you. You just did your milkiness. Keep on going. All right. So I just did my milkiness, 81. Um, t- so, mm-hmm. yeah. So as I mentioned in the milkiness, it has a strong taste of chocolate. It's a it's a thick, it's a thick and it's a good chocolate milk. It is, mm-hmm. I would say, much like what I was imagining the Nesquik double chocolate would taste like. However, oh. it doesn't taste very snickersy to me um 
and I am eating a Snickers bar on the side, as I've mentioned. So I'd have yeah. a direct comparison. Um, and I'm just getting a real strong chocolate and not enough like peanutiness. Yeah, so, no nut flavor. That's reprehensible. It is. In a Snickers milk, that's that's unforgivable, Brian. Yes. Um, it's unforgivable, but it is also really um, quite a good chocolate a tasty milk. Tasty chocolate. So I've given I it. Gotcha. I've given it a sixty-eight for tastiness because it's still tasty, but it's not doesn't taste like Snickers as I much gotcha. as it should. Creativity. Um, I think it's pretty creative for uh, the American market, as far as I've seen. To, I'd agree. to attempt a Snickers flavored milk, unless they haven't. And they, they maybe did just try to milk a chocolate milk. I'm not sure. But it says Snickers. It's got peanuts on it. It's got a picture of a Snickers splashing into chocolate milk. Surely it's meant to be Snickers flavored. So hmm. all, the, all the memetics of the bottle are communicating Snickers flavor. Yeah. So I've given it a solid, um, like a, a C for creativity, a 75 C for creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. What a good statement. You know, like a like a letter grade that you would get at school. Yeah. Yes. I gotcha. C for creativity. Yes, yes, yes. Value-wise, value. This is great value here, this bottle. It is the classic, the standard 414 mil bottle that all my milks have been in. The price is $1.89 USD, which... Last week was about, about three, three Australian bucks. dollars, but uh, this week, who knows what the exchange rate is. Um, yeah, a lot has happened in the world, hasn't it? Yeah. Many things continue to happen in between episodes, as always. Um, Maybe they've all gotten better. But this week, I don't have the energy to look up the exchange rates. I'm not going to. Uh, but yeah, it was 189 which is pretty good. It's under two. It's among. It's in the cheaper range for some of these milks. Um, and it's a big bottle and it's good. So I'm, I'm calling that good value and I'm giving it a 93 for value. Mm. Yeah. Whew. Okay. I haven't lectured on milk in a while, so I'm running out of breath. Um, mm. get to replace that breath with some milk. <sighs> no, you, you breathe, Daniel. Have you ever seen, um, what's that, the abyss? Do you think an animal with gills could live in milk? Could live in milk? Holy shit, Brian, why hasn't anybody ever asked that question to anybody before? Why haven't I heard that question asked before? Could a fish live in milk? Brian, could a fish live in milk? What happens if you buy a goldfish and you put it in a tank of milk? Does it live? What's the oxygen content of milk? What are you talking about? It must be basically like water. Mustn't it? Maybe they thrive. Maybe they grow huge. (laughs) Huge milkfish. Some insane despotic sultan somewhere with like a bajillion billion dollars has has got a fish living in milk. Like a swimming pool of milk with goldfish in it. Yes, of course. Of course. What what a concept. Okay, what if... Can a fish live in milk? Let me... Okay, you keep on going. Well, now I'm just thinking of all the possible applications. Like, 
at SeaWorld, you could have Shamu the orca in a pool of milk instead of water. Oh, and it would just look like the black bits of that black and white big fish. You'd be like, oh, it's half a whale, those bastards. Oh, wait a second. It's just the white bits I can't see because it's in a tank of milk. Well, They're perfectly fine. He leaps out and then he splashes down and everyone gets splashed with milk and all the children get a little bit of calcium and protein. Holy and- fuck. Brian, the third autofill, I've got can a fish live? And then the third one is in milk. <laughs> <laughs> in Google. Of course, fish. Of course, fish can swim in milk. It's a liquid with a similar viscosity to water. In fact, just like humans, milk is mostly water. Uh, this this article sounds like bullshit. Uh, the problem is that the fish aren't evolved to survive in milk. I mean, don't tell me that. Don't tell me what they're evolved to do. Tell me what the fucking fish can do. <laughs> so I suspect that they'd quickly catch different bacterial infections. Oh, okay, so this that- is a quora. But assume the okay. milk assume the milk has been pasteurized and homogenized and stuff. At least to the mm. point where it's now safe for fish. Is the cuz it would just need to be it would just need enough oxygen in the milk for them to right breathe milk, right? Okay. So, according to this clear science article, um, the animal would likely die within minutes, if not sooner. Why? I want to uh, know let's why. See. Fish have evolved, blah, blah, blah. Fish have evolved this bit over millions of years to survive in water with a certain amount of dissolved oxygen, acidity, and other trace molecules. So although skim milk is nine-tenths water, it still would be entirely insufficient to support a fish for long. The difference is in acidity and dissolved oxygen. Not to mention all of the fat, proteins, carbohydrates, and other minerals in the milk that might clog the creature's gills. I guess. That doesn't seem that likely. Would quickly spell trouble. The animal would likely die within minutes, if not sooner. That sounds like the words of a person who's never tried this. (laughs) It does sound like the words of a person who's never tried this. I bet they can live perfectly well in milk and no one's tried it. You just have to get the right milk. And have and then try naysayers. That's the problem. And you got to try everyone saying no, it can't happen. You got to try every milk because all the milks are different. Hum- human milk, cow's right. milk, goat's milk, sheep milk—they're all different. Pig milk, a thick shake, monkey's honeycomb milk, thick shake, vanilla thick shake. Yeah, one of these might be right for fish. Well, we should add another category. Could a fish live in this? I guess. I do not. The low end of the milkiness. <laughs> I I have a feeling that um a fish would die almost instantly within the Snickers one. Uh, wow, that I... got you back on topic. Well done. <laughs> Man, i got to get up and go to the toilet. I've taken out my headphones. Uh, Daniel. You, you do whatever for a second. I asked you before the episode. Before we started, I asked Daniel if he needed to take a bathroom break, and he said no. He said, there's always the Brian Reads a Book segment, and I can go pee during that. And I said fine, Daniel, be that way. And he said, I will be that way. And then he didn't go pee. And now here we are, just a little bit later, and he's walked away. I'm going to take a bite of Snickers.
I'm gonna take a sip of water. At this point, I'm getting thirsty. I'm back, I'm back. Hello. Oh, what is happening on your end? I'm oh my god. Eating Snickers. Ah, uh, okay. I was just hearing some real wet noises. And drinking milk. Um. And water. Brian, I was in the toilet and it occurred to me, whales have lungs. A cetacean could live in milk. Shamu the orca could totally live in milk. It would be fine. All these idiots are going like a goldfish. No, a goldfish, oh, its lungs, its, its gills will be clogged with the milk. But uh, a blue whale, a killer whale, a sperm whale, a, a white whale, a right whale, all these whales, a minky whale, dolphins, they'd all live in milk happily. How do they get oxygen? They got it. They suck it through the holes in their heads. They, go- they got a hole in their head and they suck the air up through the, the through the out of the sky, Brian. So they come up out of the liquid milk in this case, and they suck the oxygen out of the sky, like us. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's how they work. That's how cetaceans, whales, dolphins, etc., work. Dugongs. How Although do I don't know if a dugong has a top hole. How do whales work? I know every little bit of how a whale works. Fair you enough. and anybody else with that question should come on down to old Daniel. He's listened to a podcast about whales once, and now he knows everything about whales. For some reason, in my mind, He's I was calling them cetaceans. I was only I was thinking the blowhole was just for blowing out <laughs> for fun, just for a moment there. They've just got a fun hole. Yeah, so whales can live They're in doing milk. Spouts. Yeah. Right. Sea Easily. Dear SeaWorld, it has come yeah. to my attention that whales can live <laughs> in milk. Yeah. According to my calculations, the volume of milk required would only be a fraction of the US uh, daily output of milk. That's so true. So this could easily be done. I'm also thinking, do- I think dolphins in milk would be real nice. You could, you could replace the milk daily from the tank and that way the milk that gets uh, cycled through each day uh, could just go into bottles and be sold as oh, whales whale, like whale flavor whale aged milk <laughs> <laughs> yes oh that's great aged in whale tanks <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Aged in whale tanks is brilliant. (laughs) What did you do while I was in the toilet, Brian? Did you talk more about your numbers? I talked, no. I talked about how you said you wouldn't have to go to the toilet. (laughs) You told them that? Yep. I was so sure. But I've been drinking a bunch of milk today, Brian. Yeah, well, no surprises there. We knew that would happen. Uh, It's my job now. All right, Gestalt. So, this um, this Snickers chocolate low-fat milk, natural and artificial flavor, has a pretty good Gestalt because of the smell. When I opened the bottle ah. and I took a sniff, it smells like a Snickers. So that first that first hit, it smells peanutty. It smells caramely smells chocolatey you think oh my god they've really done it 
They've made a milk that's going to mm. taste like a Snickers. But it's all it's all in the smell. So then as you drink it, it just tastes like chocolate again. And it's a it's a nice chocolate milk, but it is thicker, so um it's not as as easy to drink and get down the whole bottle. Um mm. but the overall experience is pretty good and that that initial aroma hitting you is very pleasing. So that's leading the way here in the Gestalt, and it's landing at a 66 on the Gestalt Gestalt gotcha. scale. Because um, I do think this is a bit thick and would be challenging, possibly stomachache-inducing, to drink the whole mm. thing too quickly on an empty stomach except for a Snickers bar. Um, Zeitgeist is decent. The packaging is a dark brown plastic wrapper around the whole bottle as always a pretty standard like fully plastic wrapped plastic bottle that we've seen with most of the other milks you've got um you got a snickers bar splashing into some brown chocolate milk on the front and then there's just random peanuts kind of here and there or like peanut halves yeah, and uh, it's really promising that peanut flavor, isn't it? Yeah, and so it's, it's like this. This unmistakably, the Snickers is going in the milk. You're like we're putting the Snickers in the milk, and look, an element yeah. of the Snickers, peanuts. And then they've done a little red line around the bottom, which is a bit of a nice touch. It's kind of like hinting back, ah, like the at the Snickers, because the Snickers logo is a red outline, white background, blue letters. Um, so it's mm. the same red as that. So it kind of ties it in, connects it. So it is a nice design. It's not over the top, but it does still feel kind of, um, I don't know. It feels, uh, something about it feels kind of juvenile in a way. Um, yeah. It's like big block bold letters. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's not, it's not impressive. It feels like, yeah. It's not classy. It's like if, sure, if Snickers designed a chocolate milk bottle, of course this is the thing they would make. Um, They didn't put... Yeah, it's a bit root one. Yeah. It's well executed, but but not not inspired. Yeah, so I've given it a 72 on the Zeitgeist. Yeah. Yep. Do you want to, should I save my total for later? Save the total, yeah. We'll do our totals turn for turn. But uh-huh. I'll give my little milk lecture we'll now. Lecture at me, please. Very well. So, a milkiness is established. It's pretty, this is a milky milk. 69. Tastiness. So, um, last week I drank a vanilla one of these super shakes. And I was impressed by the flavor. It didn't blow me away, but it was a good, solid flavor that I enjoyed. I'd say the flavor of this honeycomb milk is even a step further than that. I was worried that what I would be tasting is like a, like a pale imitation of a honeycomb flavor. What I got was more like, oh, this is like a honeycomb chocolate bar flavor. It, it, it's solid. It's good. It's authentic honeycomb flavoring. And it, it tasted tasty. It was real tasty. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to give it a 78 for tastiness. It's it's a good, solid, tasty taste. Do you guys, over you you states people, you Americaners, you do you have honeycomb uh, chocolate bars like we do? 
Um, no, but they have them in Canada, which is pretty close to me. Yeah. So I've had one yeah, in we, my life, I think. We've got here two big competing brands of honeycomb chocolate bar. We've got a violet crumble and we've got the crunchy bar. Uh, violet crumble is, I think, the like the uh, the popular Australian underdog. It's been around forever here, and then the the crunchy is, I think it's called a crunchy. It's like, I don't know, some some big, 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 big wig that's uh, popular to hate on. But I think the crunchy is superior to the violet crumble. I think the violet crumble is too, uh, I don't know, Daniel, too not good enough. Yeah, I've got some breaking news. A break it to me, Brian. I've just finished break my me Snickers with your milk. News. You've finished your what? I've just finished my Snickers milk. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I I um I finished my honeycomb milk a little while ago. Oh, okay. Well you didn't tell I me. I forgot to tell you though. I didn't. Um so it's a tasty milk. Creativity. So uh once again this is a milk which asks you to shake it for for at least a minute before drinking. And I do believe it has some kind of weird like uh I think that weird syrup multidextrin. Oh my god, this is something different. The ingredients in this are skim milk, milk, milk solid sugar, maltodextrin from maize and stabilizer, anti-caking agent, chocolate. It's 1% chocolate. Wow. Oh, choc honeycomb is the flavor. Did I know that? I don't think I knew that. That's why it tastes so authentically like one of our uh, honeycomb candy bars. Um, natural flavor, natural flavor, color, color, contains milk. Yeah, so I'd say this is at least as creative as the vanilla version of this, but then even more so because it's chalk honeycomb. It's a more complicated flavor that they've gunned for, and they've got it right in the bag. 76 creativities for this chalk honeycomb shake and shake. Uh, the value is exactly the same. It costs the same as the vanilla ones, 29. It's a rip-off. I'm getting uh, 100 mils less than if I were just drinking plain old flavored milk. And also it's three bucks. Uh, the Gestalt. Now, here's where things take a turn for the Choc Honeycomb Super Shake, Shake and Shake. Um, this is a drinkable milk. I've drunken it all. But it was, a, at some points, a bit of a challenge. Sometimes, I think because the flavor is, it's it's more flavorsome. It's a more of a full-on experience to, to taste this flavor. It kind of got a little bit overwhelming at points. I was like, uh, maybe I don't need more of this because it's already, I've had, I've had quite enough. So even though it, it went down easy, it's, it's a good texture milk. And even though the flavor is overall good, I'd say it's a little bit less, a little bit less gestalty than the vanilla. It's 51. I still can't call it bad, but it's not as good as the vanilla one. The Zeitgeist. Ooh, things continue to head south for the Choc Honeycomb milk because it's exactly the same as the vanilla, but um, the the container is now this sort of weird, unpleasant orange color. And the text is also, they've just kept it orange. Just like in the vanilla one, it had orange text, except the vanilla one had a blue container. Now it's orange on orange, and it's shit. That's no good. 
You get what I'm saying? I orange do. Orange on orange, yeah. what were they thinking? No, that sounds horrible. I guess they. you could say, oh, we were trying for like a a, a monotonal aesthetic, but it's, it's just not... It doesn't quite work. It's not quite good. It still has that that good uh, like kinetic energy uh, communicated through the graphic design and the halftone dot is in evidence and I I like that but it's a 40s zeitgeist from me Brian okay and that only leads me to now be at the stage where I need to add up my numbers Keen, calculated listeners will have probably already deduced that my milk has scored quite highly. Mm-hmm. Are you? Are we ready to so, share totals? Uh, I will be shortly. Yes, I am now ready. It's the same number I always seem to get. But go on, Brian. Three hundred fifty. I'll do mine. I'll do mine first. Is it, ready? Is it three fifty, Daniel? It's three hundred and forty-three. All right, there you go. Hey, that's your—that's literally your average score. <laughs> I feel like. How do you do I that, f- Daniel? I feel like. <laughs> how do I achieve perfect averageness every single time with every single milk? Is it me or is it the milk? I don't know anymore. I need some. I need some bodhisattva to free me from the cycles of pain. Yeah. Brian, will you free me? What's your score? I would love to free you, Daniel. My score, the Snickers chocolate low-fat milk, has scored 455. Oh, Jesus. Is that that the new reigning champion? That that has shattered shattered the record. Shattered like a frozen Mars bar, the record. I mean, it's not surprising. There's no, no element... Of it, the milkiness, the tastiness, the creativity, the value, the gestalt, or the zeitgeist is bad. At worst, it's a sextuple threat. At worst, some of those elements are just fine. Oh man! And at best, it has a. Oh, it smells so good. It's just like that aroma, the nutty, caramely, chocolatey aroma. You think I'm gonna drink a Snickers bar, and then you drink it. And you're not drinking a Snickers bar, but you are drinking actually a quite good chocolate Something milk. delicious. It's still delicious. Yeah. And it's thick. And I was expecting it to be bad. Honestly, I was like, Snickers, what's going to happen here? So, yeah. Um, no, they've, this, this is good. It's, a, it's just a solid milk all across the board. And... Yeah, so four fifty-five, which is really only like a seventy-five percent, which you know. So there's yeah, there's, we're hitting we're hitting the middle pretty hard of this of this of this bullseye. Yeah, is that no that that's the worst metaphor I could possibly have gone for. We're hitting the <laughs> just the yeah. The middle of this javelin field, whatever you field you throw a javelin on, and it lands in the middle if you did an average throw. Mm-hmm. But yours, pretty far down the field, no, dishearteningly it, far down the field. It's a good milk. It's surprisingly good. I was expecting it yeah. to be worse, 
Um, milks that can surprise you, they're the best milks. And just like a real, really chocolatey, which is good, because it does say chocolate, low-fat milk. So if this is just a Snickers branded chocolate milk that is meant to smell like Snickers and taste like chocolate, they've absolutely nailed it. Tastes like chocolate. So? What's that song? That's actually that's actually dethroned the Bingaray banana milk. The Bingaray. Yeah, take that. Which was take only that, great nation of Korea. It was only on top for a few weeks there. But all good things must come to an end, as they say. Hmm. This too shall pass, as they say. Such is life. As, as he said. As he said. And as the, yeah. the, the backs of the Utes say. As the backs of the Utes say. Um, you know, funny fact about um, old mate Ned Kelly. Yeah? Uh, he loved milk? It, like, he, he loved milk. He was like, oh, mate, let me get my head in this milk pail. Oh, shit, there's a slit in it, and then all my milk's drained out. Ah, oh, fuck, the coppers are around, and they're gunning me down. Oh, jeez, I'm a folk hero now. Like that. Mm-hmm. But one of his last like requests was to fly his body back to Ireland. And he said, please take me back to my home country. I wish to be buried in Ireland, not this weird place where I've wound up and I don't like it very much. <laughs> and where everybody loves me. Yeah, and now we all... Oh, I'll make Ned Kelly. Oh, that was the larrikin spirit shooting the cops, eh, fucking cover. And he's like... And he's oh. like <laughs> Oh, this place sucks! Please, please send my body back to Ireland, where I, where my house is and my family is. Wow! Not this hellhole where I've lived for a couple of years, I guess. That's, I don't know enough about Ned Kelly to know how long he was in Australia, but yeah, that's interesting. It's like uh, I'm not sure I've, I'm not sure I've been aware of like unrequited love on a, like, on a national scale, a continental like continental scale. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I'm sure that there are other examples of that, but hey, whatever. Thanks for sharing that interesting yeah. fact, Daniel. I liked it. It's thought provoking. It makes you wonder. Mm, about, that interesting fact makes you wonder fact about might Australians. Be a strong word. It does. And tidbit. now on that interesting on tidbit, that, uh, t- that introspective uh, topic. Listeners, it's time for us to say goodbye. Say goodbye. Snickers, chocolate, you are the milk of the day. Shake and shake whatever that you drank, you are not. <laughs> not the milk honeycomb. of the day. Shake and shake honeycomb. Not the milk of the day. Yeah. Oh, and Snick- honeycomb yeah. even. Snickers, chocolate, milk is milk of the day and our new milk of the pod. Yeah. New milk champion. It's a new milk record. It's the... That was from um, uh, Pod Racer from the Nintendo 64. It's a new lap record. Oh, now he's saying it's a new milk record. It's a new milk record. All yeah, right. like that. That's right. All right. All right. Bye, oh. everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Moo, moo.
successful 20 minute episode again (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know oh it's almost exactly the same length it's almost identical i don't know why i think it should be 20 minutes you know I think it should be 20 minutes too. Do you? I mean, the. Yeah, it should be. How? We talk for so long. I'm having a good time though. Oh, me too. I think that's the problem. I think this is value for money. We're having too much of a good time. <laughs> <laughs>